Welcome to the Better Eye Health Podcast with Damon P. Miller II, MD. This particular podcast is an excerpt from the weekly conference calls. Dr. Miller focuses on different topics connected to the Better Eye Health program. The topic of this session is The Art of Acupressure and Healing the Eyes, Part 2. Here is Dr. Miller. We did Part 1 of uh, Acupressure and Acupuncture last time, and we're just going to do a little bit more on oriental medicine, especially acupuncture. So today is the uh, 17th of August, 2016. This is the Better Eye Health Conference call. Um, and I just, I'm talking, I'm spending two different talks talking about acupuncture because there are um, a number of people out there who are promoting acupuncture for the treatment of eye disease. And I've had actually numerous people that either come to me after having done some acupuncture or who are seeking out acupuncture now. And I spent, just to recap briefly, last week I was talking about the, at least when it comes to the eye disease, we have found that acupressure, what we have you doing in the Better Eye Health Program, brings all of the benefits that you're going to get from acupuncture or acupressure. Um, and again, that I do needle acupuncture. If I thought that the way to get you what you needed for your eyes to heal was only going to be obtained with needle acupuncture, I would be finding a way for all of you to get needle acupuncture. But that's not necessary. There is a lot you can do with acupressure. Acupressure is not as strong of a stimulation of the points, but it's something you can do yourself. You can do it frequently. It's very easy and very powerful when done on a regular basis. And so that's why Grace and I decided on acupressure because some of these programs, to be honest, you know, you can go up to one of these acupuncturists who has sort of a residential program. You come in, you stay in a hotel for a week, and they charge you thousands and thousands of dollars and treat you multiple times a day. And it's not to say that people don't see benefits with that. They do, but they're often having to go back multiple times a year. They get some benefit when they go, it falls off, they have to go back. And I've had people spending literally tens of thousands of dollars a year for acupuncture. And um, I, again, if that was what it was worth, if that was what it took for your eyes to get better, I'd say do it, but it, it's not necessary. Um, and, but I do want to say something about just the history of this. I don't know if people remember uh, a name, James Reston. Uh, Reston was a journalist. He was a journalist with the New York Times, and he was one of the journalists who traveled with Nixon and Kissinger when they first started going to China to reestablish relationships, diplomatic relationships with China and Mao Zedong. And um, Reston, uh, on this first trip, had developed appendicitis and ended up having his appendix removed in China, which frightened him a lot. He had no idea whether they were going to do a good job or not. They did an excellent job. The thing that was interesting is that the anesthesia that he had for that appendectomy was all done with acupuncture. And he wrote extensively about that um, because he had a place to write about it. He, the New York Times, something read all over the world. And so that was interesting that in that first trip, it sort of awakened the world 
to the fact that this very ancient medicine was still very much alive. And it interested doctors because doctors may completely dismiss the idea that acupuncture is of any use at all, but when someone has an open abdominal surgery with only acupuncture as the anesthesia, doctors sat up and took notice, and they go, well, maybe, maybe there's something to this. Um, but one of the things Reston did in some of his articles, he, he was interested, what is this medicine that was used on me, and he did some research. And one of the things he reported numerous times in the articles he wrote was the fact that oriental medicine was used to treat eye disease, because back in the early 70s when this all took place, um, there was really nothing being done in this country for macular degeneration. Grace wasn't doing anything. Nobody was doing anything. Um, and other than some supplements, people were doing some supplements, some zinc and things like that. And there are um, a number of uh, supplements or herbs, Chinese herbs that are used for the eye, but most of them have a parallel in what we're using. So that Chinese medicine talks about using... Um, foods that are rich in long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, things from algae, things from, of all things, snakes, uh, things from fish. Um, they use uh, goji berries, which are guchitsa, that's the Chinese word, but little red berries and they've become kind of popular in this country, mainly because they contain a lot of lutein um, and other foods, but the, the derived, the lutein product derived from marigolds is proven better than the goji berries for us, so I don't, don't recommend it. But if you needed a source of lutein and there was nothing else around, the goji berries would work very well. The um, other thing about oriental medicine, which is very interesting, is like, like the program that we do, oriental medicine recognizes that if you're having a problem with your eyes and you want to go and treat the problem at its roots, and not just treat the symptoms, that you have to make the person stronger. And so, not just for treatment of the eyes, but for everything in oriental medicine, you're really trying to look at where is this person having troubles, how can we help them, because if they're complete, if they're whole, if everything's working, they will heal themselves, because that's what the body is set up to do. And so, just the thinking and the approach that oriental medicine takes to eye disease and everything else is worthwhile. And just changing gears a little bit, I mentioned last week that the one time I would suggest needle acupuncture, or seeing an acupuncturist, really, it's not just for the needle acupuncture, but for uh, access to another kind of practitioner, somebody who might have an idea of how to treat a problem without giving you drugs, or, or without starting with drugs, without starting with a toxic or dangerous therapy, but trying something that might be safer, easier, cheaper, and that has a good chance of working. Seeing an acupuncturist, if you have other medical problems that might be well treated by acupuncture, and I didn't say a whole lot about what those were, so I just wanted to mention that today as well. The kinds of things that acupuncture is very good for and oriental medicine are very good for, things like allergies, things like all kinds of digestive problems, everything from reflux and indigestion to constipation and diarrhea and uh, mal malabsorption uh, between the herbs and the things that are done with acupuncture. Oriental medicine is very effective for digestive diseases, very useful for nausea and vomiting associated with pregnancy, very useful for nausea and vomiting associated with chemotherapy, 
and for keeping the person strong during chemotherapy, uh, useful for all kinds of neurological problems, again, everything from the pain associated with shingles to trigeminal neuralgia, the kinds of things that happen around the face, uh, muscle spasms, uh, all kinds of things like that. And interestingly, if you look at um, some of the, the health plans around here that offer acupuncture as a benefit, say Kaiser, Kaiser's a big uh, health plan in the Bay Area and in California, they will have acupuncturists on the staff, but the only thing that they're allowed to treat are things like back pain and neck pain. And in any medicine, back pain and neck pain are difficult to treat, and no one has ever shown that acupuncture is the best way to treat back pain or neck pain. It, it can be of help, but uh, there's just this connection that Western medicine makes between the treatment of pain and the value of acupuncture, and which is rather interesting and a bit erroneous and displaced. And, and a lot of that comes from, going back to the beginning of what I was talking about, from that experience that Reston, the journalist, had, um, and that fascination that doctors had with acupuncture anesthesia, the idea that you could produce a level of anesthesia uh, sufficient to allow open-heart surgery or abdominal surgery. They felt that acupuncture somehow blocked pain, and so they were most interested in using acupuncture to treat things that involve pain. And the truth is, it will do that, but it will treat pain, but it isn't necessarily the best way for it, and pain is hardly the thing that acupuncture is best at. So um, it can be done, but like I say, there's much better data on its value in treating problems with digestion, problems with other neurological problems than, other than pain. Um, so those are the kinds of things. And I am going to be, we're, we're going to be starting something next year. Uh, hopefully we'll get it going this year, but I have a whole slew of alternative medical books. Some of them I have virtual versions of them, PDFs, and we're going to start putting that up as a virtual library. So I have a numerous books on acupressure that once we get those up, you'd be able to go and read in those and figure out other points that you might use now that you sort of know how to do acupressure. You'll figure out other points you might use for other problems that you have. Tune in for more podcasts and other presentations. Go to www.bettereyehealth.com. There is hope for sight.